Get ready to talk some baseball. Welcome to the King's Corner Talking Baseball with Jim Layritz. From spring training to the World Series and beyond to the postseason, Jim and his guests tell it like it is and have all of the bases covered. Now, here's Jim Layritz. Good morning or good day to everybody. How are we doing today? Welcome back to Jim Layritz in the King's Corner Talking Baseball. And of course, since last week we talked... Lots of things have happened. Of course, the Milwaukee Brewers have been eliminated. The Detroit Tigers have gone home to play some golf. And now we have two games in the books in the World Series so far with a 1-1 tie right now. As last night, the Texas Rangers evened up the series with a big comeback win. And we'll be talking about the uh, the World Series and the game, the first two games in the second part of our show. But, of course, the first part of our show, we started to talk a little bit about last week with Ian Brown. MLB.com site reporter for the Boston Red Sox. And uh, we started talking to him a little bit about what was going on and what was happening there. And we got cut a little bit short. And uh, since we last talked, of course, wow, a lot of things have happened. I mean, everything from the uh, now it might looks like a multiple deal for Theo Epstein. Also, uh, some of the Red Sox players coming out, speaking in defense of uh, some of the accusations that have been thrown their ways. And Ian's going to join us right now, and we're going to talk a little bit about Boston Red Sox. And, of course, you know, besides the World Series, this is the biggest talk going on in baseball right now. And Ian, are you there? I'm pretty good, Jim. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, just since we talked last week and we only got to talk briefly, uh, wow, what, is, what has been happening? And I, I guess you've been, been a pretty busy man up there covering the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, it's been a little bit of a circus up here, I'm mean, going to tell you the truth, because um, you know, you're spending half your time um, dealing with baseball matters such as uh, hopefully a, a re- you know a resolution to the Theo situation, then you're spending the rest of your time trying to figure out how much uh, beer and fried chicken cats were eating uh, during a game. So it's been pretty crazy. I thought um, you know one positive step to him. I thought when John Lester kind of came out um, out of the blue, sort of unprompted, he came out on Monday and talked to a bunch of different uh, uh, media outlets and just kind of wanted to uh, defend the starting rotation, but. At the same time, he sort of admitted that, you know, a lot of these allegations that were going on were true. Uh, the one thing I took from John was that maybe some of it was uh, blown out of proportion a little bit. You know, the guys weren't really having a frat party um, in the clubhouse during the game, more more of, as John called it, a rally beer, you know, in the ninth inning. Um, you know, from what I hear, guys ordered fried chicken maybe three or four times during during the whole season, you know, maybe during a game. And, yeah, still, it's a little unprofessional. If you think about it, but um, yeah, they just wanted to set the record straight on things. And I think, to tell you the truth, Jim, that the uh, public of Boston—they really have a bad taste with this Red Sox team right now, which is why they really need to get on with the Steel thing. They need to appoint Ben Sherrington general manager. They need to go find a new manager. They need to find out what they're going to do with this roster. Who's going to be back from last year? And they need to sort of straighten things out because I've never seen um, so much ill will uh, towards the Red Sox from these fans since I've been here. Um, this is—you uh, know—I just finished covering this team for the tenth season. I've never seen anything like this in terms of the backlash. But people just don't like this team right now, Jim. And that's to me, that's the most uh, striking thing right now up here. Well, let me ask you a question. Is that maybe, maybe one of the reasons Theo Epstein saw the writing on the wall that said, okay, you know what? I brought in some players here that maybe wasn't such a good move, and uh, I better get out of here before uh, before everything hits the fan. Yeah, well, I think what Theo had pretty much decided was um, – yeah, his his contract with the Red Sox was up at the end of next year, and regardless of what happened, that was going to be his last year in Boston. He just thought that um, that this 
this coming season would have been his tenth year, and he had just decided, you know, that was, that was enough. Ten years as general manager of the Red Sox, your hometown team, um, all the scrutiny he gets, that, that, that was just going to be enough. But when basically I think ownership tried to extend him and give him maybe a multi-year extension, and, you know, when he made it clear to them that he only wanted to come back for one year, they said, hey, the Cubs want this guy. You know, we might as well try to get some compensation um, for him right now. But, uh, you know, certainly I think the one thing that reflects poorly on Theo a little bit is that he's leaving this team sort of when they're at their, dark, their dark, darkest hour since he took over as GM. So, you know, you'd like to see the competitor in him say, hey, you know, I'm going to help turn this thing around. I'm to help create some of this mix, some of this mess. But now he's going to a position with more power. Um, really with nothing to lose. You know, you're going to a team that hasn't won in 103 years anyway. So really, what can you lose? We're in Boston now. The, the culture has really changed here. And we're now it's, Every year you don't win the World Series. It's kind of um, and that, that's what people expect around here now, especially not just with the Red Sox, but with all the championships the teams in this town have won over the last decade. That's kind of it's kind of win it all or bust. And I think he got worn down by that a little bit. Now I also hear that possibly Jed Hoyer from San Diego is going to be joining him. Have you heard that? Yeah, and I think that will be a good situation because that Cubs front office has really been um, a one-man show with Jim Henry the last few years. They really didn't spend any money at all. In their front office, so you know they have a uh, Jed in, you know, in place as the general manager. I think Jed will be the guy who's really focusing on all the day-to-day um, major league baseball operations, and then you know you have Theo, who's kind of going to oversee the entire thing from amateur scouting to um, you know professional scouting to everything. Really, every single part of the organization, Theo is going to have his. Uh, his fingerprints on. So I think it'll be a good situation there uh, for the people of Chicago. They're going to have a big team in place rather than just asking uh, Theo to come in and be the savior for this franchise. It's going to be a lot of good baseball people. Uh, Jason McLeod is another one. He's the guy who drafted uh, uh, Dustin Pedroia and Jacoby Ellsbury and, and uh, uh, Daniel Bard and all these guys uh, when he was in Boston. And he's, he sounds like he's going to go over there and work with them as well. So they should have a pretty good team in place um, to try to get the Cubs kind of back. You know, they're going to have to get out that whole organization. Yeah, there's probably going to be a couple, you know, a year or two where things aren't real good there. But those guys, I think in time, um, those guys will build a winning team in Chicago. All right, well, let's get back to now. What, when Theo leaves, what does this leave? And, of course, we have, to, we have to put a general manager in. We have to put a coach in. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to find a manager. And I think you know, even Jason Baratek, it was interesting, he came out um, on the radio the other day. And even he said, hey, I think, we, you know, at this point in time, this team needs a tougher manager, you know. Um, Tito's way worked for a long time here. Yeah, they got a bunch of guys who could police themselves. Um, but obviously this, this, this clubhouse lacks that right now. They don't have that guy. They need to sort of get the ship in order again, Jim. So they're going to need to find somebody, uh, who's a little less friendly than Tito and a little more, um, hands on is going to kind of <laughs> run aside their ship. So I think that's the first step. And then the next, uh, you know, you coaches, coaches fall into place after that. First, that always, um, comes into the manager's going to bring in a lot of his own guys. But after that, you got to sort of see, you know, what are we doing with this roster? Are we bringing Big Poppy back? Are we bringing uh, Jonathan Papelbon back? Who are, are we going to try and get rid of um, Josh Beckett because, you know, he was maybe part of this um, clubhouse culture that sort of deteriorated? Or are we going to have uh, Josh Beckett go to some sort of uh, self-help program where he fixes himself, makes himself a better leader again? Um, what are you going to do with John Lackey's $16.5 million per year contract? There are a whole lot of issues facing Ben Sherrington. This is the most interesting offseason uh, the Boston Red Sox have had in a long time. You look at all the different elements here. So uh, Ben's got his hands full. There's no question about it. Now let me ask you, do you have 
you know, as, as much as you've covered these guys over the years, you've got a pretty good feeling. He said you feel like they have to have a manager come in there that can take a little bit more control. Any names that you've been heard of, anybody that you've heard of that, that might be coming in? You know, the, one, the one guy I've heard a lot that could be a really good fit here is um, you know, Dave Martinez. Just you know, He has a really good background. He's worked with, with Joe Madden the last few years. I don't know how strong. I haven't talked to Dave a whole lot. So I don't know how strong his personality is. But it sounds like he could be a good fit. Um, because it seems like there's not a lot of, you know, ex- experienced guys out there. You know, the guys that you kind of want, you know, um, that are that are available right now. You know, Luke Pinella, the game, you know, I think he's he's done with managing Joe Torre, Bobby Cox, guys like that. And, you know, they're not going to kind of, they don't have the energy to come run the Boston Red Sox. So I think you almost see that you are a young, energetic guy. Um, maybe a Sandy Alomar Jr., somebody like that. Somebody who just kind of, you know, has a pretty, you know, Sandy Alomar always struck me as the kind of guy who has a presence when he walks into a room. You know, even though he hasn't managed before in the major leagues, Sounds to me like somebody like that um, could be a good fit. You know, I mentioned um, Sandy Allen. That's a guy who's bilingual, too, so he can relate to the, to the Latin players on the team and the other guys. So somebody like that who can communicate uh, pretty effectively with everyone might, might be a real good fit on, on this team. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you talk about never, not having much managerial experience. I think he has a little more than Robin Ventura does over there in Chicago. Yeah, so. Exactly. And it's <laughs> me overrated because John Farrell, who ironically probably would have gotten this job, if yeah. he on as Red Sox pitching coach for another year, he would be the next manager of the Boston Red Sox. I'm convinced of that. Um, he didn't have any managerial experience. I thought he did a really good job in Toronto um, this year. So some of that uh, experience, if you have a good bench coach, Jim, I think some of that, um, you know, some of that uh, experience thing can be overrated. Oh, I think so. I think I, I watched that completely with Joe Torre and Don Zimmer. Zimmer pretty much, I always told Zimmer, you have the best job in baseball. You get to make every move and you don't get blamed for anything. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, so I think that's going to be a good thing. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you just said, mentioned some of the free agents, some of the guys that have been the longstanding Red Sox, the guys who have brought the championships back to Boston. Guy, let's start first of all with Jason Veritek. What do you think his situation is? Yeah, I could go. Uh, I could really go either way on that one. I mean, it depends. Um, you know, it depends who they have going back there with them. I mean, Salty and Veritek. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I personally think they might turn the page from from Jason Veritek. I mean, he's done a great job. He's been a great captain for the Red Sox. I mean, there's not enough you can say about this guy, but he's going to be 40 in uh, you know in April. And even um, you know, even this year, even as a backup, you know, he sort of started to break down. Uh, he had some things going wrong physically. At the end of the year, so you get to that age, it doesn't even matter how much you're playing anymore. You're going to break down a little bit. So I think it might be time, you know, for the Red Sox to turn. Especially now that you're having all this new leadership anyway, um, why not start start from scratch and maybe make this, you know, make this Dustin Pedroia's team, make this Adrian Gonzalez's team. You know, just kind of changing the guard and along those lines. You know, I don't think Tim Wakefield will be back either. So I think the the two the two really guys from the old guy, the guys that were in Boston back when you played there, Jim, which. Seems like a long ago. They were back there uh, back then. You know, I think those two guys are going to be gone uh, this off season. All right, that leaves the big question then, Big Poppy. What's what's the situation there? Yeah, I would bring him. I think they would be compelled to bring him back just because um, this guy's still a feared slugger, Jim. I mean, he he goes into that batter's box and you know, pitchers, uh, you know, they take note of this. This is not an easy out. This guy had a great year. Is it realistic to expect he's going to have an OPS of almost a thousand like he did this past year? Uh, probably not. Is it realistic that he can hit that he can hit 25 home runs and drive in 90? I think that that's very realistic. And there's not, you know, out of the DH slot, he's the best DH in baseball. He was this year. He's been uh, for the better part of the last nine years. So assuming that he's not, you know, I don't think there's a huge market out there for DHs. 
I think if David Ortiz is expecting some huge contract offer from another team, I'm not sure that's going to come. So I think at the end of the day, David winds up uh, back in Boston for another year or two. I think he finishes his career, his career out uh, in a Red Sox uniform. Yeah, I'd like to see that, Ted. He's one guy that should stay in there. Hey, listen, give me a couple minutes. We've got to take a quick break, and we'll sure. come back with you. Can you stay with us one more time? You bet. All right, we will take a break. We will be back with Ian Brown to talk a little bit more about the Red Sox, and we will take your calls. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome to Inside the Trenches, everyone, the interactive show that is sweeping across the nation here on Voice America Sports, simply with your host, 12-year pro football veteran, yes, of course, the voice of America, R. Cal Trula. We're bringing it to you. The day starts in noon, and so does Inside the Trenches. 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, bringing you the ins and outs, letting you know what's going on in and around sports and also in and around your neck of the woods. So if you want to be on the show and you want to be a part of the show, simply go to InsideTheTrenches.com and let's make this thing happen for you. The interactive show that is sweeping across the nation, Inside the Trenches, your show. Welcome to Inside the Trenches, everyone, the interactive show that is sweeping across the nation here on Voice America Sports, simply with your host, 12-year pro football veteran, yes, of course, the voice of America, R. Cal Trula. We're bringing it to you. The day starts in noon, and so does Inside the Trenches. 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, bringing you the ins and outs, letting you know what's going on in and around sports and also in and around your neck of the woods. So if you want to be on the show and you want to be a part of the show, simply go to InsideTheTrenches.com and let's make this thing happen for you the interactive show that is sweeping across the nation inside the trenches your show your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're inside the king's corner talking baseball with jim layritz it's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at gemlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. We have Ian Brown, Boston Red Sox site reporter for MLB.com, talking Boston Red Sox baseball. And even though right now there is a moratorium during the World Series about discussing moves, about their saying, this is still a big, big story and a lot of things happening in Boston that I'm sure I'll probably have to have Ian on one or two more times before, uh, before, the seat, before we get going here for the winter meeting. So, uh, Ian, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, we talked about some of the player moves, possibly some of the players stay, and you mentioned, you know, the, the Red Sox having to take a look at their rosters. Let's talk a little bit before we talk about more about the players. Is let's talk about the coaching staff. And there's some guys I've been around there a lot, and I covered the Red Sox for the 2007 World Series, and I got to know some of the guys pretty well. A lot of these guys, there's two guys I look in that coaching staff, DeMarlo Hill and Dave Magadan, who, a pretty big influence and, have a, and a, a pretty big reason a lot of these guys have suggested that they had a lot of success. What do you think uh, about these two guys at least being retained or possibly uh, staying on staff when they bring in somebody new? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think Dave Magan is definitely going to be back because um, I'll tell you what, I've never been around a hitting coach who works harder than this guy does. 
I mean, you literally can't find him in the clubhouse um, before a game because he, this guy is just throwing round after round after round um, after BP in the cage with these guys. So he's uh, kind of a known, you know, we talked about the Red Sox kind of having to de- develop a tougher um, culture in the clubhouse. You know, Magnum's already there. He's not one of these guys who's kind of um, going soft on anyone or running any kind of a, a country club uh, atmosphere over there. So I think, I think he's back. Um, as far as some of the other guys, DeMarlo Hale, uh, it's always iffy because the bench coach, you know, he he kind of came in as Tito's guy. They were friends from when, you know, when they were, they were both of the Texas Rangers coaching staff a few years back. I think DeMarlo Hale is a really good bench coach. Um, I think he, he's, a, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's going to be a manager someday, maybe the next year or two. Uh, this wasn't a good year for guys who uh, wanted a managerial job because there, there weren't that many openings this year. Unlike last year, it seemed there were a bunch. So, um, yeah, tomorrow might have to wait in the year. But, you know, you look at the, the way the kind of the clubhouse culture fell apart, and fair or not, tomorrow might be associated with some of that because he was the bench coach. He was uh, Tito's top lieutenant. Maybe he was supposed to take care of uh, some of the stuff that was going on. So, you know, I think that it's less likely he'll be back um, than Dave Magadan. I'm Kurt Young, the pitching coach, who just came in this last year. He replaced John Farrell. And, you know, the ironic thing to me is we just discussed uh, off the year during the break, Jim, is that if, if John Farrell stayed on with, you know, yeah. as Red Sox pitching coach for one more year, um, he would have been the manager right now, convinced of that. He, would have, he was all along looked at kind of as Terry Francona's successor, um, but he's gone. And now the guy who replaced him, Kurt Young, as pitching coach, I think he, he's going to be out because obviously all the stuff that was going on with the pitchers, obviously their work habits slipped and everything, that, that falls on him. You know, like I said, fair or not, but he, he was their coach. And the Oakland A's, um, from what our uh, Oakland A's reporter for MLB.com, Jane Lee, um, reported uh, two days ago, the Oakland A's are eyeing Kurt Young to come back as their pitching coach because um, Ron Renicky, I think it was, who was their pitching coach uh, last year, he, he's already gone. <laughs> you know, after one year, they already let him go after one year. So I think Kurt Young goes back to Oakland. Um, Gary Tuck, the catching instructor, kind of a renowned catching instructor, did you ever work with him, Jim, at all? Yeah, yeah. Gary was actually our guy during during our run when we were there, yeah. and he was a big a big reason for that. You're saying he's, they're going to keep him, or they're not going to? Yeah, they're going to keep him just because they they, they love what this guy does for the catchers. And uh, Sawtelle Mahi was a perfect case in point this year because you know, he kind of looked lost when the season began, and by the end of the year, he was a pretty decent. Uh, Pretty deep, decent defensive catcher. He's another guy. He doesn't take, you know, you know he, he doesn't take any crap. He's 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 going to work guys hard. Um, so he you know, he'll be back. Um, Bogar is another guy. May, maybe he comes back. That, that all depends. He didn't, he didn't do a very good job as third base coach. He got a lot of guys thrown out of the plate. So if he comes back, you know, maybe maybe it's under a different role. So you know, you really need a general manager and a manager though before you kind of de- determine um, who's coming and who's going. And that's why they just. Uh, you know, they just need to get this thing settled so they can sort of move on and, and figure out where, where things go from here. Yeah, Ian, if I have to ask you, of course, we always talk about the Yankees and the Red Sox being the number one two-punch in that division. Tampa Bay has, of, of course, you know, take, come in and, and been pretty strong. Where do you think this puts the Red Sox starting in 2012? Where do you think that this put them on the power chart as far as the American League East goes? Boy, I mean, right now you'd have to say, uh, you know, third. But, you know, so much can change in the offseason. So I think that, um, you know, the Red Sox definitely underachieved this year. They they still almost made the playoffs. So, um, you know, I think they, the Red Sox could actually make a pretty nice comeback next year, you know, because there was a lot of talent on that team. You know, is Carl Crawford going to have a 288 on base percentage again? 
hit 250, I doubt it. You know, so I think that uh, you know, is the rotation going to be as bad as it was this year? Um, I doubt it. There's still a lot of nice pieces on that Red Sox team. You can build it anytime you can build a lineup around uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, who might win the MVP, uh, Dustin Pedroia, Adrian Gonzalez. Uh, those are three pretty nice guys to build to build your lineup. So you just have to see, you know, how is the rotation going to shape up next year? You know, how is the bullpen? There's still almost too many questions to determine you know, what the Red Sox really do next year, but. I think they'll be pretty. I think they'll be a pretty good team next year, and they're, they're obviously going to have a, a lot to prove. They're going to kind of have a fire in, in their belly uh, next year after everything that happened coming down the stretch this year. Now, okay, let's let's go a little bit more. Just to talk a little bit more, just about what you think as far as player moves. I mean, we talked about yeah. possibly Beckett. We talked about the John Lackey situation. One thing I know, I can tell you this much. I've seen players, the Roger Clemens, even some of the greatest players, come into cities like New York and Boston and struggle for their first year or two until they really understand what it's like to play, especially guys like Lackey that come from you know, Anaheim and, and where, it's, where it's pretty laid, really laid back. Uh, and Josh Beckett, of course, coming from, from Florida. Uh, he's been around long enough. But what do you think? I mean, you, you, I look at this rotation, I look at the players, and I say, wait a minute, you know, this, is, this is a pretty good – pretty good rotation but like you said before what what do you see whoever let's just say whoever comes in as pitching coach what are they going to have to do to get this pitching staff to, to reach their potential well like, first of all they're going to have to keep guys healthy you know uh say obviously went down for the year this year that that didn't help uh, clay buckles you know the single biggest thing that happened to the red sox in 2011 was clay buckles missing the last uh you know three months of the season and to have a bad back at 26, 27, whatever he was, um, was that maybe a lack of um, off-season conditioning on his part? Uh, there might be some things guy, where guys have to, you know, work a little harder. Twelve months out of the year, not just not just in season, but I think the whole culture of the Red Sox pitching staff has to change. I mean, Beckett was very good for five months of the season. I mean, he was uh, he he had a tremendous season. Then he just fell apart at the end. He sprained his ankle on Labor Day and was never the same after that. Was that anything to do with conditioning, nutrition, um, taking care of himself on his part? I mean, he, he did put on some weight this year. So those, those are some of the things that they're going to have to look at. And also, you know, see if they can maybe go get a C.J. Wilson or, you know, one, one of the other kind of intriguing uh, free agents and may, maybe make a trade. But yeah, I think they need to get one more really bona fide, uh, you know, number two or number three starter to supplement the guys they already have. All right, let's go on to, to the probably the biggest name and the biggest one that we're talking about is our closer, Jonathan Papelbaum, with Daniel Bard, you know, doing pretty well and, and looking like he could be possibly the closer. What do you do if you if you've got Papelbaum out there? What are you going to do? Yeah, that's a great question. The intriguing thing about um, Daniel Bard is that he's being mentioned in some circles. You know, maybe make this guy a starter next season. You know, that could be with the kind of stuff he has. So maybe that's a way to upgrade your starting rotation right there. So then under that scenario, obviously you would have to keep Jonathan Papelbon. Um, you still have Bobby Jenks as a forgotten man. Um, you know, maybe you can get something out of him next year. He had a, uh, numerous back issues. He had a pulmonary embolism late, late in the season that was um, very scary and really gave this team nothing for $6 million. So you're going to pay him $6 million again next year. So hopefully you can get maybe the Bobby Jenks. If you can get the Bobby Jenks in Chicago, you know, maybe he can close. You know, if they don't keep half of all, that might be asking a little bit too much. But, yeah, they're going to have to go out and bring in quite a few uh, relievers. But Bart could go either way. Bart could become a closer. Um, he could become a starter. Or, you know, I'm sure 
Uh, I don't think Bard really wants to save the setup man right now. He's a guy who's thinking about his future. Uh, he, wa- he wants to make some money. Uh, he doesn't want to be a career setup man. So he- he'd be very open to starting it if the Red Sox does- decide that's uh, the best course of action. All right. Well, it sounds like we have a, we're going to have a lot of pretty pretty crazy offices. I know the winter meetings come up in December. I'm sure the Red Sox, of course, will be making a big splash. Let me just give you just give me one thing, if you can, just give me yeah. what you think a possible trade rumor that we could be carrying into this off season. A trade a trade rumor uh, involving the Red Sox. Yes, and maybe uh, they might try to go get Andre Ethier from the Dodgers. Uh, that could be. I mean, they got a hole in right field. You know, I don't know if the Dodgers would be willing to to move Ethier. He kind of. Yeah, he didn't have his best year this year, but uh, yeah, he, he's a guy they've always liked a lot. So uh, keep an eye on that. All right, I guess, I, one more question. I guess, now that yeah. you just picked my brain right there, yeah. uh, the last one would be catching wise. Sultan Lomakia came in; he did an okay job, but yeah. you're talking about replacing somebody like a Jason Veritek, who was such a leader, such a captain on this team. And you know, is 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 it something that? Yeah, you know, you talked about maybe bringing Jason back for one more thing, or possibly not, but. I'm looking at the Red Sox, and I'm looking at this ball club, and I'm looking at, okay, pitching staff problems, things like that. Is there a big-name guy that they could go out there and get, a big-name catcher that you think could come in yeah. there and replace some Salty Malachi, or are they going to go with him? Yeah, I think uh, they might go with Salty. I think that this kid, LeVarnway, uh, who's their best hitting prospect, he, he's a catcher too, so um, if he makes enough, you know, they're going to evaluate him in spring training, and he's going to work a lot with Gary Tuck. He, he's a kid who hit two home runs in that uh the second to last game of the regular season when they were kind of fighting for their lives there. Right. You know, the spot starting to hit, hit a couple homers. So he's a big, strong kid. So, if they, you know, they, I think they feel sophomore Maki is going to um, gain from the experience he got this year and maybe take another step forward next year. So they might be comfortable going in with the sophomore Maki. I'm sure they're going to bring in a veteran to camp just in case uh, either one of those things doesn't pan out. They'll bring in some kind of insurance policy. But yeah, you could see them go with sophomore Maki and, and uh, LeBron way next year. You got any minor leaguers down there that are ready to step in and really help this club? Yeah, just the kid I just mentioned, LaVarnway. He's really the, the one guy who's sort of knocking on the door right now. Um, Jose Iglesias, the shortstop, really took a step back to him because I think at this time last year we all thought um, Jose Iglesias was going to be their starting shortstop in 2012. Um, this guy's ready defensively already. I mean, he, he's spectacular defensively, but he's not hitting at all, not even a little bit um, in the minor league. So they really need to get his bat. Um, going. They need to find out a way to get him hitting uh, this winter. So uh, now I think that yeah, that's a big part of the problem right now is that they they sort of dried out at the upper levels. You know, part of it was the the trades they made for Gonzalez and then Victor Martinez a couple years back where they traded some top prospects, uh, and they're feeling that a little bit right now. So yeah, there's really no saviors uh, coming in at the at the minor leagues next year except for maybe Lavarnway who we mentioned. All right. Well, Ian, you're gonna you're gonna have a busy off season, I'm sure, and a lot of things sure happen, a lot of things to report on. And I appreciate you joining me today, and I'm glad we got to do the whole time today, not just part time. But uh, I am sure, you know, by next Friday or even the, the Friday after that, we'll have a little bit more news, and hopefully, I'll have you on here again, and we'll talk a little bit more about what's happening with the Red Sox. So, appreciate you giving me some time. Thank you so much. You got it, Jim. Whatever you need, you know where to find me. See you. All right. All right, buddy. Thanks. That was Ian Brown of uh, MLB.com, of course, the Boston Red Sox expert. Uh, you know, just following these guys right and left of, of course, what's going on there. I mean, you know, we talk about the World Series, and there's supposed to be a break from all this other news and things like that, but you just can't help uh, something this major, this this big of a uh, of a move that's going on in Boston right now, of course, with 
losing a GM, losing a manager. Uh, some of their famous players are going to be leaving, uh, having to make decisions about these guys. Big, big changes going on in the Boston Red Sox organization uh, this offseason. And uh, we will follow that all offseason, of course, every Friday. You can reach me here. But right now, the second half of the show is going to be all call-ins, all emails. And we're going to talk a little bit about the World Series. We're going to talk about what's going on. Also, we'll talk about anything else that has to do with any baseball questions you might have as far as anything else that's happening. Of course, we still have a lot of un, un, unanswered questions uh, with a lot of teams out there, especially big teams like the Yankees also. So call in at 1-88-346-9144 or email me at jim or info at jimlayritz.com with your questions. We are going to be doing this the whole second half of the show. So call in and let me hear from you. We'll talk to you soon. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Jim Lairitz is a two-time World Series champion, motivational speaker, and author of Catching Heat, a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball. Most people know Jim as a man who has always beaten the odds. Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Lairitz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. That was Ian Brown of the Boston Red Sox joining us this first half. Okay, I mentioned in the beginning of the show, the second half is going to be callers. It's going to be emails. It's going to be, I want to hear from you people. I want to know your questions and what you want to know. We're going to talk about, towards the end of the show, a little bit about the World Series and what's going on there. But right now, I have my first caller, Mark from Comac, New York. Mark, you on the line? Yeah, I'm right here. Jimmy, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, Mark? What's going on there? Pretty good, great show. I just want to also tell you I loved your book. Uh, what I wanted to talk about today is basically, you know, I, I think I'm turning a little bit into my dad, how things were always better in the good old days. Uh, I just want to get your feeling on the fact that, you know, with the extra layer of playoffs, granted that this year the wild card made for maybe the greatest, you know, regular season day of baseball ever, 
But in the same respects, I, I see us sitting here at the end of October and last night, even though you got, you know, Pujols and you, you got Josh Hamilton, you know, 9.30, I find myself turning to game five of the NHL season, Rangers-Calgary, because it's, it's just not doing it for me. I, I don't know if it's oversaturation. What's your feeling on it? Well, no, I, I agree with you. I think we're at a point now where people, it, you're used to seeing interleague so much that the interleague is, it has kind of grown. The, the, the difference between the American League and National League, that, that rivalry in that, just, in the, just in the World Series, is kind of worn down a little bit. And I think you're right. I think you know, people are getting to see players on a daily basis now. Instead of, I think one of the things that I used to love about the World Series is I would see players that I hadn't seen play most of the year. You know, I, I remember watching the Angels play in the, the Giants, and as much as Barry Bonds was, you know, in the news every day, you didn't see him play much. And it was really cool to be able to see him play in the World Series and against the American League. And I think, yeah, I think that's kind of saturated down a little bit. And I think the Major League Baseball is going to have to start maybe maybe more thinking about how to maybe do away with the the interleague. And get back to you know keeping the the two leagues separate and possibly just saying listen we're gonna we're gonna do this at the end of the year and keep that interest alive I think that's part of it. I appreciate it. I totally agree. Thanks and a great show and keep up the good work. All right, Mark. I appreciate you calling in. You got it. All right, have a good one. You too. All right, yeah, that's a, you know that's an interesting question. I mean, one of the things we talk about is is you know just the novelty of the two leagues. We have the DH versus you know no DH and. You know, one of the things that was really so great to see was the fact that, you know, uh, you know, what would these teams do come come the World Series? And uh, you know, I, I think I think really besides the big interleague games, whether it's you know it's Chicago versus Chicago or New York versus New York, uh, I think it's kind of lost its edge a little bit. And I think maybe we're going to have to start thinking about possibly. Possibly making some changes to that. I think, like you said before, the wild card. Hey, that has been a great, great thing, and that's not going to change. I mean, they're even talking about adding a few more teams to this playoff picture. And of course, I question that because I'm already looking at baseball and the World Series is going. Okay, people are already thinking about or football already. Football's already started. We're in, you know, we're in six six weeks of football. Baseball still going on. It, it's it's maybe a little bit too much. I think if they're going to do this, if they're going to try to, and I want your opinions. You know, like I said, email me, call me. I want your opinion. What do you think? I don't think that the postseason should go this long. I think we should go back to 142 game schedule. If you're going to add a couple more teams and a couple more playoff games, I just think because you cannot go, you cannot take baseball any further out than you're already doing it. We're, you know, we've had games in November sometimes. Uh, you know, this year we're going to end about the 26th uh, if it goes seven games. But you know what? It's it's too much because you know the bottom line is baseball should end right about when football is beginning because you lose so many people. And unfortunately, I, mean, I think these first two games of the World Series have been great, but the viewership and the ratings have been way way down. So I'd like to hear from you guys and, think, and hear what you have to say as far as what do you think. Uh, email me again. Call me at eight eight eight. Three four six nine one four four, but let's really turn our t- attention to what's going on. Even though the ratings haven't been great, let's talk about the let's talk about the World Series. Uh, great first two games, and of course last night's game. Um, those of you that watched it, unbelievable, unbelievable. I think uh, you know the Texas Rangers. A lot of people um, 
wonder some of the moves that John Washington made in the first game. Uh, we talk about how the bats for the, for the Rangers have been kind of cold. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize, this is the World Series. Um, you know, you're getting to a point where players have never been before. Um, I know one of the things that, that, that the Rangers have been talking about, and Ron Washington, I really think, did it well. He expressed his concern to his hitters, saying, listen, guys, you know, we, during the whole season we were successful because we worked the count. We were patient. You know, we, we weren't so, so aggressive. And right now, these first two games, this team has been very, very aggressive. And I think this off day on the way back to Texas uh, that, that Ron Washington and, and some of the coaches are going to have a little talk with the hitters there and say, listen, let's get back to what made us successful. I know this is the World Series. I know people are amped up a little bit. But let's get back to what we're doing and, and, and be successful. And listen, we got lucky. We got out of there with a 1-1 split. And uh, we're going home, and we're going to our place. And I think the Texas Rangers have to feel feel really good about being able to come back. They were three outs away from going down two nothing, which I can tell you, being down two nothing, yeah, you can come back from it. We did, but at the same time, uh, it, it's not the easiest task for anybody to do. And the Rangers, of course, really, really happy where they sit uh, going into Game Three. So, but on the other side, on the other side, when we look at the St. Louis Cardinals, and we look about what they're, they, they've gone through. And, you know, one of the things we've talked about this whole time was how Tony La Russa, of course, a Hall of Fame manager, someone that you can't question of some of his moves that he made. But I think last night, I think in last night's game, a lot of people are going to be under the microscope with him as far as watching to see what happens because let's just talk about it. I know some people shy away from it because it is Tony Russa, but let's talk about Jason Mott. Let's talk about, you know, what happened there. What happened? Taking your closer out. And I know, you know, Tony says, oh, well, you know, I have, he's not my only closer. We, we do this. You know, we, we haven't done it, but he has been. He has been their closer this postseason and towards the end of the season when, when they, every game was on the line. And I wonder, uh, I can tell you this as being a former catcher, um, if I was catching that game last night, when I walked out to the mound, I would have really thought that Tony was just going to come out and kind of calm him down and kind of just say, hey, listen, you know what, let's, let's take it easy. Let's, uh, you know, let's get this guy. You've know, you got to remember Josh Hamilton was not, you know, is, is swinging basically on one leg, and you've got Mott who's throwing you know, close to 98, 90, 99 miles an hour. Um, you know, the theory is, well, do, do, you, do you pull him right there? And really, it's not so much do you pull him right there, but when you pull him, and then, of course, the Texas comes back to beat him. But when you pull him, what does that do for his psyche? What does that do for him for his next outing and the next time that he's going to be, uh, be called upon to do the job? And what, what, what does that do to his confidence? So I think there's going to be a lot of question marks uh, going into game three uh, in that bullpen. And you know, we've seen uh, the importance of this bullpen. And Tony La Russa has, until this point, used that bullpen great. I mean, he has used them, you know, to a T almost. And I think last night, though, uh, we talk about sometimes overmanaging, and I think last night uh, that that could be that could be a possible uh, something that we look at as a series progresses. That uh, we 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 see how Jason how Mott reacts to uh, to being pulled in that type of situation. Of course, being the closure. So a lot of question marks, and of course, going into the. Uh, the game three. I mean, you know, we look at we look back at these first two games, and 
it really has been about the bullpen. It's been about, um, you know, we talked about starting pitching. Starting pitching is good, but at the same time, we knew that it would come down to the bullpens. And, of course, last night uh, the Rangers were able to get to the, the, the St. Louis Cardinals bullpen, and the uh, uh, Feliz came in, of course, at the end of that game and, and shut down the Cardinals to be able to send them home with a 1-1 split. So, uh you know, I look at you look at everything. You got You got to like it. once again. I, I won't take Tony Lewis's, you know, move to to heart so bad. But will it have an effect on some of the guys? I know, like I said before, being a catcher, being a guy that you know, if John Wetland was on that mound or Mariano Rivera was on that mound uh, as our closer, um, then I don't think they would have taken they, those two guys out of that game. And uh, sometimes you just you just wonder uh, if. if you know, if that move did backfire on Tony Russo, and we'll see that as as the games progress. But one good thing I think for a lot of these players is they're going to be going to warmer weather. They're going to be heading to uh, Texas, and as they get off that plane, you know, they're, they're going to they're, it's going to be a big difference between 41 degrees and probably at least 70 to 81 degrees there in Texas. And I know one player in particular I talked about, Josh Hamilton, will enjoy that because of that leg, and hopefully he'll be able to get a little bit more loose. But um, one of the things that I will talk about as we come back from the next break is going to be the pitching matchups for Game 3, what's going to be going on there, um, and, and what to look for there. And, of course, uh, just about the offenses and the way the offenses have, have been kind of quiet so far. And, you know, uh, I think a little bit, too, we're going to talk a little bit, a little bit about how possibly this being Albert Pujols and maybe Tony LaRusso's last last game with the Cardinals, or last series with the Cardinals, uh, before this offseason comes up. So we will take a break, and we will be back once again, 888-346-9144, or info at jimlayers.com. Send me your questions, or you're going to have to listen to me talk the whole next half. So call us up, let us know, and we will be back with you in just a minute. flagship station for sports voice america sports jim larence is a two-time world series champion motivational speaker and author of catching heat a brutally honest book about the highs and lows of a professional athlete and life after baseball most people know jim as a man who has always beaten the odds Jim has never forgotten that with hard work, dedication, and God's power, one can overcome anything. Visit JimLayritz.com to get a copy of Jim's book or to schedule Jim for your next corporate fundraiser or event. The address again is JimLayritz.com. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's at the 
shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're inside the King's Corner, talking baseball with Jim Layritz. It's time to hear from you. Call in to our live show at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also send an email to info at jimlayritz.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, we've had a big day today talking about, of course, the Boston Red Sox in the beginning of the hour, and of course now talking about the World Series, the first two games, and what a first two games it's been, even though some of the ratings they, they say aren't the greatest. I think it's been two great games, and uh, you know, coming up a little bit, we'll be talking about game three, go over the scouting reports, go over the starting pitching, but we have emails. We actually have a couple emails, and the first email that I got is from Todd in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, Todd has said, Jim, I have a big question. What is going on with all these guys with these beards? What is, what is, what is the new look? Um, well, <laughs> Todd, that's a good question. I think, uh, you know, last year, uh, of course, the Giants closer uh, came in with, with his famous beard, and I think a lot of these guys may see... Uh, all these taco commercials and all these things that he's doing is maybe this could be a, a promotional ploy and maybe they'll get something out of it. But uh, talking to some of the players, I've heard some of, the, some of them just say, listen, you know what, the bottom line is I don't like shaving every day. Um, you know, it, 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 it tends to be t- tough on their beard or tough on their faces. Uh, the weather's a little bit colder in October, so they say, some of them say, listen, we just, you know, we just let it grow. Uh, but it's, it is, it's, it's a different look. I know one thing that... Uh, being a former Yankee, uh, we weren't allowed to have facial hair, so it wasn't a question mark of whether or not you showed up in our clubhouse. And kind of the, one of the reasons why I always had a bald head and a pretty fresh shaved face, uh, you know that 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 was our rules. And uh, I can see that you know nowadays uh, maybe maybe the, the, the coaching staff and the managers don't take that to heart so much and kind of let the guys do what they want to do. But uh, yeah, Todd, interesting question. Of course, it doesn't it doesn't look the greatest. At the same time, uh, you know, I hope I answered your question that uh, some of these guys do it for superstition. Uh, I remember one year, um, and I can't remember which one it is, but being a hockey fan, watching the NHL, and um, and I, I can't remember the team, but during their playoff run and their 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 ride to the Stanley Cup, they uh, they all chose as a team, not just one or two players, but as a team, not to shave and. Uh, some of the guys that didn't really like it too much were just kind of said, "Listen, we didn't we didn't want to lose." At the same time, we we really wanted to shave. So, some guys like it, some guys don't. So, uh, you know, that that's that's interesting. But um, all right. So the second question, I got another email. This email is from David in Westchester, New York, and says, "Jim, you played in some World Series in some big games." And talk a little bit about possibly the big names, not being the ones coming through in the clutch, but the little guys. And talk about the importance of uh, pinch hitters and players coming off the bench and uh, in, in these type of games. 
And uh, yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, one of the things that I remember about the Yankees uh, in their run, those four or five years that they had, um, one of their strengths was their bench. One of their strengths was it didn't really matter what move the other team made, the other manager made, um, that there was something to always counter that. And um, you know, it was it was really interesting. And you know, just to just to go back a little bit and talk about you know when you when when I was playing during those days, I mean, you had a situation on the bench where you had Tim Raines, who was a switch hitter, you had Daryl Strawberry, and you had myself on the bench. And basically, whatever move the other team made in the bullpen, whatever the, we had an answer to. And you're not talking about putting in, you know, just some little pinch hitter. You're talking about putting in some quality guys that uh, that could give you some quality at bats. And I think that's um, really what's showing so far in, the, in this series is is becoming very important. Uh, you know, it's 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 really a manager's dream to be able to to make those type of moves late in the game where you feel 100% confidence of, of pinch hitting for somebody or you know even even putting somebody in defensively um so i think that's that's a big part of it i think uh you know totally russa of course i mean i think you know you look at it and this is where it comes down to it you come down to the question marks of pinch hitting and and who you're going to use and i think uh you know so far we've seen it in this series twice i mean uh you know, in 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 both sides of it, we've seen the good and and maybe the questionable one. Uh, you know, we we talked about uh, you know in, in in the first game, of course. Um, you know, Tony Russ is watching the whole game and he makes a couple moves and uh, you know and and I'm drawing a blank right now on, on the hitter, but uh, he decides to go ahead and put in Craig to pinch hit, and of course. Craig comes in and gets gets a gets a big hit. Here's a guy that hadn't been playing much, but you know, you talk to people and he's a number five, seven, six or seven hitter on that ball club. If he was to be in the lineup, and you know, you kind of say, well, that's that's not a great hitter to be putting in in that situation. But here he comes through uh, with a big pinch hit in game one to give the, give the St. Louis Cardinals, of course, the lead. And then, you know, then the question mark, the question mark that everybody asked that first game about, you know, about Washington, you know, uh, Ron Washington's move. Is you know why why did he leave Torabelli on the on the on the, uh, on, on the bench you know here's a guy who had you know four or five hits in the postseason so far has been playing a little bit and instead uh, he brings in Germain who has not played since September 25th and uh, you know that's a that's a big question mark for for a lot of people why that happened in Game One and of course you know sometimes managers go with a hunch which of course I like uh, not always by the book but at the same time that was a big question in game one and, and how, to, how to use your pinch hitters and your bench and uh, you know unfortunately that, that game for uh, Ron Washington he lost the battle there and of course game two we have it again and sure enough guy comes up and boom gets the hit and uh, you know the big hit and then of course this time this time though they couldn't close it out the, the, the Cardinals could not close it out so uh, they had to they they, they Rangers come back and, of course, even the series uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals at uh, at one game apiece. And now they head back to Texas. And, of course, the day off the day, the media day, which everyone always dreads because you, after a long season and playing as many games as you do, you don't really feel like uh, like playing, uh, like working out and doing things, and yet, but you have to because it is a media day and you have to go speak. And some of the players go in and get some treatment and do some things, but all getting ready for, for Saturday's Game 3. And, of course, Game 3 
Let's go over a little bit of the scouting report. Of course, we have Kyle Loesch, or Loesch, I'm sorry, Kyle Loesch, who's going to be on the mound for the Cardinals, uh, who is uh, so far this postseason 0-2 with a 7.45 ERA. Uh, they, hopefully, Tony La Russa, you know, this is, this is a guy who's been bailed out a little bit by their bullpen. Uh, but the way things have been going in these first two games, I think uh, Tony would like to get at least six or seven innings from a start of this game. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a big outing for him, of course, being in Texas, being on the road, um, trying to get a win there. And, of course, he will oppose uh, Matt Harrison. And uh, Matt Harrison has been a little bit better. One and zero in the postseason with a four two two ERA, so just a little bit better. Um, but here's a guy that uh, you know, the thing when I look at this matchup and I look at the you know you always try to say, well, is this guy better at home? Is he better away? Well, when you look at these records, uh, you know, Kyle Loesch is eight and three with a three point one three away from Cardinals from from St Louis, and of course on the road, and of course uh, Matt Harrison at home is eight and five with a three point eight. So if you look at the numbers. Numbers look like this could be a pretty good pitching matchup. And once again, like I said before, what we've seen these first two games, uh, you know, a three to two game and a two to one game, um, just how, uh, how close these two teams are. And, you know, what, go back into the email that we're, they're talking about is, yeah, you never know who's going to be the hero. You never know who's going to come off that bench and, and, uh, and do the job. And I think, honestly, I, I will tell you this much after watching and seeing uh, Ron Washington takes some heat about about the pinch hit move. I think next time you will see Torabelli, uh coming into pinch hit and or Tori Alba coming into pinch hit uh, in a situation where uh, the game may be on the line. Uh, that, that's why they added the, the third catcher to the roster for those situations. So big big game coming up, big series coming up. This is this to me is one of the most pivotal games, uh, you know, especially for the St. Louis Cardinals. This is a, almost a must win for the Cardinals. Because you you are on the road for the next two after that, and uh, you know Kyle Loesch is going to have his his work cut out for him going into this game, and uh, we'll see if the move to Texas will heat up the Texas Rangers bats, or will the St. Louis Cardinals continue to pitch the way they're pitching? And I think the biggest question will be in the ninth inning: Will we see any effect of Tony Larusa pulling Mott from the game uh, in Game Two, and see if and see if he has any type of uh, confidence problems or, or, or things that just because of that move. So we will see what happens. But, of course, next week, next Friday, we're going to be actually join me, and we will have a couple more guests. Uh, unfortunately, this time of year, we can't plan ahead of time because we're not sure who's flying or who's going to, to, to follow these series. So we will, during the week, look on the website, and you will see who's coming up as my guest. And next week, please, more calls, more emails. Call in at 888-346-9144. Or email me at info at jimlyards.com. So we will be joining you next week. And until then, we will actually we will be joining you next week when there is a World Series winner. So we'll be talking about all that coming up next week. So thank you for tuning in today, and we will talk with you again next Friday. We're safe for another week. Thanks for tuning in to the King's Corner, talking baseball with your host, Jim Layritz. We can't wait to have you come back next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great weekend.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.